Hey, Crosswalk, it is good to be with you here again, uh, coming to you from Redlands, California. Uh, it's been great to be down from Portland because I've actually seen the sun a few times. It means I'm, I'm getting a little, maybe getting a little color, uh, which I know you're probably saying, wow, if you're getting a little color, what was, was it like before? <laughs> That's not funny. Um, most, as, as is the case with most of us, the color I've been getting for the last 10 months has come from those two ring lights at the side of my monitor um, because I've been on Zoom. That's all of our lives. But uh, today, I am holding in my hand the very first Bible that I ever owned. Um, it, is, uh, it doesn't have the date of when I actually got it. Uh, I thought it would, but it, it has my name written in it that I wrote. So by looking at that, I'm judging, I'm guessing it was probably maybe three or four years old when I got this Bible. Um, and I loved having a Bible and I loved having Jesus on the Bible because to me, when you're younger, man, if you're anything like me, growing up kind of more or less in the church, there's all sorts of things going on in church and all sorts of stuff being talked about. But to me, back then, it was pretty simple. I knew I love Jesus, right? And when you're a kid growing up more or less in the church, that the name of Jesus is, it's almost magical. There's just something about it that you get excited about when you hear the name Jesus. And also, when you're a kid, the name Jesus is the answer to every question ever asked at church, right? Um, so I was teaching a uh, children's, giving a children's story not too long ago, and I said to these kids, I was talking about the story of David and Goliath when David threw a stone at Goliath. And I asked the kids, I said, kids, do you know what David threw at the giant Goliath? And they all answered in unison, Jesus. And I, I, I laughed. I said, well, no, um, not Jesus. And then again, if the answer isn't Jesus when you're a kid, then it's the opposite of Jesus, right? So all the kids, when I said no, all the kids yelled back, Satan. Like, yeah, then I gave up and I think I said, yeah, maybe, Satan, I don't know. Um, but when you're little, this church thing seems so simple, right? It seems to be something that it's all about Jesus, which is why I wanted to make sure that he was on the cover of my first Bible. But then, you know, you grow up and things seem to change a little bit. We are in our fourth week of a series about what it means to be Christian, what it means to reclaim that title. And today we're talking about why the Bible as a Christian? Why is this so important to us as followers of Jesus? And that's what we're gonna talk today uh, because the Bible seems to be the go-to source to learn how to live and act or how not to live and act as a follower of Jesus. So that's what we're gonna explore today. But here's the crazy question. If the term Christian means a follower of Jesus, then why do we use the whole Bible to follow Jesus, right? I mean, there's the smaller part of it, the New Testament, that actually talks about Jesus, his story, his life, his teachings, trying to uh, understand more about his teachings. So why do we use the whole Bible? If you look into the Old Testament, there's some, there's some crazy stories and lots of things that are just hard to understand or figure out. So wouldn't we be better off if we just got rid of the old part that doesn't seem to talk about Jesus and just looked at the New Testament and focused our energy and effort there? It seems like that would be easier. Well, I hope in our time together today that as we talk, we'll learn that it's actually important to pay attention to the whole story for really 
really good reasons, and we'll talk about that. I also hope that we recognize that this book isn't just another story. It's not just another piece of fiction on our shelf or something to that effect. This book is actually a place where heaven and earth touch. So, as we study, if your journey was anything like mine, growing up more or less in the church, the Bible took on many forms over the years. The first one was that the Bible was a rule book, right? I mean, yes, it had the Ten Commandments, um, but it also had a whole lot of other things in it that are things that we were supposed to do or not supposed to do. The only problem with the Bible as a rule book was that for me anyway, I started to learn that there were a lot of rules I was being told that I couldn't find in the Bible. Um, So, but initially for me, the Bible was a rule book. And then it moved on to the Bible being an answer book. And what do I mean by an answer book? Well, every time we went to church, it seemed like we would have a quiz game and, and if you knew your Bible enough, you were going to be good at the quiz game. But I didn't really know my Bible. I, I wasn't taught my Bible a whole lot. I mean, I had one, but I didn't know what to do with it. And all my friends and people in the class, they knew it a lot better than I did. So they got all the answers right, and they got all the, the fame of, of winning the Bible quiz game. I mean, they could tell you what an ephod was. Uh, they could tell you who Methuselah's second cousin was. I didn't even know what a Methuselah was. Um, So for a while, the Bible was an answer book, and then it kind of slid into this other thing uh, that's close to an answer book, but the Bible became a textbook, right? I mostly grew up going to Christian schools from sixth grade on. So at that point, because we had Bible class, then my Bible sat in my backpack with all my other textbooks, or it sat in my locker with all my other textbooks, right? So next to biology or math was the Bible, and it was a place I went to to answer an assignment or, or get some homework done. So that's what it was. So it was a, uh, a textbook. And then I also learned that for some people, the Bible is kind of a decoder ring which is weird, but it's, it's like we learn and look into all these prophecies and if we can figure out the right way to look at this or look at that, then we can, we can figure out what future events are going to happen if we can figure it out just right. So for some, the Bible was a decoder ring. So growing up in the church, the Bible took on all these different forms, but I also seem to remember that people could almost make the Bible say whatever they wanted it to say, Right? Like, whatever your predetermined thoughts or ideas or beliefs was, you could make the Bible say what you wanted to if you just picked and pulled verses from all sorts of different places. I mean, if you wanted vengeance, there's a verse for that, right? If you wanted to kick somebody out of your group, there's probably a verse for that. If you want to judge somebody, there's probably a verse for that. Um, You know, so the Bible became something people used to their own advantage. So again, I was left asking, What is the Bible really all about anyway? Which seemed to be wrapped up in the reason you went to look at the Bible in the first place. I mean, did you go to the Bible to get the answers? Did you go to the Bible to learn the secrets, to unveil something that's hidden? Did you go to the Bible to beat your neighbor over the head with something that you thought they were doing wrong? Why were you going to the Bible in the first place? And that's just those of us that have grown up with the Bible, right? For those outside of the church, the Bible is, is that much more of a strange and often misunderstood piece of ancient literature, right? Some think of it as a fairy tale. Sir Ian McKellen, the actor, once said that he wished the Bible would come with a preamble at the beginning of it that said, this book is fiction, not fact. 
Um, of course, there are people, others, who think the Bible is just this book that, that folks have used to justify doing all sorts of horrible things to other people over the years. Other people think it's a philosophical treatise or um, it's just a, a piece of ancient literature that's good to study. But what is the Bible really? And why should you and I as followers of Christ care so much about it? Well, to answer that last question, let's spend some time with the question, how did Jesus treat the scriptures? Okay. Now, of course, Jesus grew up in a time where as a boy in the Jewish culture in his time, by the age of 12, you would have had to know the Torah frontwards and backwards. You would have had that memorized, right? But we see that Jesus knew all of the scripture well. And by, of course, the scripture, we mean the Old Testament because the New Testament hadn't been written yet because the New Testament was about Jesus. So in the Old Testament, we see that Jesus knew the Old Testament well. And how do we know that? Because if you look into the things Jesus says, and depending on how you count and how you look at it and what sources you, you kind of trust in that, you'll find roughly 180 times Jesus either directly quotes or alludes to the Old Testament. 180 times. So suffice it to say that Jesus knew the scriptures. But what did Jesus have to say about the scriptures themselves? Well, to look at that, we're going to look at an exchange between the Pharisees and Jesus in John chapter 5. In uh, John chapter 5, uh, we see, first of all, the Pharisees, we'll talk a minute about that. The Pharisees studied the scriptures diligently. They knew their scripture well too, frontwards and backwards, but they studied it for a different reason. We get a window into that, into something that a first century rabbi once said. He once said, one Rabbi Hillel, one who has acquired unto himself words of Torah, has acquired for himself the life of the world to come. The more study of the law, the more life. So they studied the scriptures because they wanted to get something out of it. It was an answer book, a textbook, and the more they knew, the more they would show others how much they knew to puff themselves up. That's how they treated it. Into this environment comes Jesus and in John chapter 5, the Pharisees are going after Jesus because they think he's broken the law. And who knows the law better than the Pharisees, right? And what Jesus had done is he had healed a man who had been sick and invalid for 38 years. Forget the miracle. The Pharisees were focused on the law and they thought Jesus broke it. So, they're attacking him for that, and Jesus challenges their understanding of the law. He starts off by saying, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. Again, it was their focus on what they thought the scriptures was about. Their motivation was going to the Bible for what they would get out of it. But then Jesus goes on because he says they had missed the point. So again, Verse 39 of chapter 5 says, You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me, yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. According to Jesus, the scriptures, all of them, point to or testify about Jesus. And we see this happen in other places too. This isn't the only place that this gets talked about. After the resurrection, as Jesus was talking to the disciples on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24, it says that then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. 
And then his disciples early on seemed to have an idea of this because they said when uh, Philip had found Nathanael after meeting Jesus, he said, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Of course, we could also look at the beginning of the Gospel of John, so beautifully written. And John had a sense for this as well, because he writes in the opening of his Gospel, in the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. So, we can see that in light of these things, it seems that Jesus taught that the words that came before him spoke about him. Of course, John goes on to say that the word became human or flesh and made his home among us, right? So if these things point to Jesus, if the scriptures point to Jesus and tell us about his character, his nature, his purpose, and they tell us who we are, it means that the Old Testament is actually, the purpose of it is to point to Jesus. Greg Boyd says in his book, Cross Vision, He says that the Old Testament is a shadow of the reality we are given in Christ. The shadow will point you to the reality, but only if you remember that it's a mere shadow. The Apostle Paul wrote something like this to explain this. He says, for now we we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. What does Paul mean? Well, if we take John's words that the word was with God and the word was God, then we see that Jesus is God. And if the Old Testament is pointing to Jesus and the Old Testament talks about who God is and helps us to see him, but the Old Testament isn't the clearest picture of God that we've been given because the clearest revelation of God is Jesus. The author of the book of Hebrews says that same thing this way. He says, long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. So what does all this mean for us as we consider the Bible as followers of Jesus? Well, what it means is maybe I had it right back when I was a kid. Maybe it isn't as complicated as I thought it was. Maybe it is that the Bible is the story of Jesus. Pure and simple, all of it, not just the New Testament, but the Old Testament that points to Jesus. The Bible reveals his character, his nature, his love, and as important and meaningful and powerful as the Old Testament is, its purpose is to point to Jesus. This means that when you struggle with the concept of God in the Old Testament, that you must hold that struggle up to the light of the God we come to see through Jesus, and then the picture may just start to come into focus a little better. Again, Gregory Boyd wrote this. He said, nothing in the scripture should ever be interpreted in a way that qualifies or competes with Jesus's revelation of God. If we can approach the Bible this way, not as a rule book or a textbook or a decoder ring or a hammer to hit hit our friends over the head with, the Bible becomes a source, not of knowledge, but of transformation. Chris Webb wrote this great little book called The Fire of the Word. 
And he talks about this in another way. He says, the Bible is not a theological textbook, a philosophical treatise, or the answer book to life's questions. He says, it is a thin place through which the presence of God breaks into this world and bursts with unpredictable consequences into our lives. Even though it is not consumed, this book burns with unquenchable fire. Oh, that's so, so good. And here's the thing, when we realize that that what Jesus told the Pharisees in John 5 is true, that all the scriptures point to Jesus, then we can begin to find Jesus hiding all throughout the Old Testament in plain sight. For you see, Jesus is the one with Adam and Eve in the garden. He's the one that was sculpting Adam and breathing life into Eve. Jesus is the one that is the ram in the thickets offering his life as a sacrifice for Isaac. Jesus is the good shepherd who is leading us beside still water and restoring our souls. Jesus is all throughout the scriptures because he is the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega and everything in between. It's all about Jesus. And when we come to realize that, then the Bible is what it was meant to be, a revelation of God where we find him hiding in plain sight. When my son, Aiden, uh, was three, four years old, um, he and I loved to play a game at the end of work. It was the simple game of hide and seek, but here's how it would work for us. Um, It was the first thing that would happen when I got home. So that last hour or so of work was so hard because I couldn't wait to get home to play the game. But uh, I'd get home and I'd go to the door and I'd stick my key in the doorknob and I would shake it enough so that he knew dad's home and I gave him enough time to find a good hiding place. But still, when I would open the door, I usually saw him dart in somewhere or another, but I wanted to be a good dad, and I wanted to build his confidence up, right? So I would go around looking in other places that I knew Aiden wasn't hiding. So I'd go into the kitchen, and I'd say, is he in the pantry? No. And I'd narrate all along the way, right? Is he under the kitchen table? No. And it took about three times. Is he in the washing machine? He better not be. No. And about after three different times of saying that, Aiden started getting impatient. And so I'd hear this little faint sound in the background. I'd hear, yoo-hoo. And I knew it was Aiden. But I was like, okay, I, I'm going to keep looking. I just want him to think he found a really good space. So I'd look in another place. I'd look in another place. And then he'd get louder. Yoo-hoo. Until finally I'd go over to where he was because usually his foot was sticking out from somewhere and I'd throw open the curtain or the pillow and I'd say, Aiden, I found you. And he'd jump into my arms and we'd hold each other for a minute and then he was off again to hide. You see, I've come to find that God is a lot like Aiden in that story. He's hiding all over the place, but here's the thing. He actually wants to be found. He's hiding in plain sight for us to see all over the place. And he's hiding in the comforting sound, the voice of a friend. He's hiding in that piece of music that elevates us to another place. He's hiding in the glorious mountaintop that takes our breath away. And he's hiding all through the pages of these scriptures. If we look hard enough, if we seek him, we will find him. When we seek him with all our hearts, he will be found by us because he's the God that wants to be found. And the scriptures, well, we rely so much on the scriptures 
because they're the story of Jesus. And the more we get to know Jesus, the more we understand who God is. And the more we understand who God is, the more we realize that we are his children in whom he loves and with whom he is well pleased. So why the Bible? It's simple. It's the story of Jesus. And that's what matters. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, I thank you so much that you have given us this book that reveals your character, your nature, who you are. And yes, we know, God, that it's not a perfect reflection. We know that Jesus is the clearest reflection that we have, but we still look through these pages because they reveal much of who you are. And when we learn more of who you are, since you created us, we learn more about who we are, why you created us, what we're here on this earth for. Father, so I pray that every time we open this precious gift you've given us, that your Holy Spirit would lead and guide us and help us to see you on every page. And when we have a question, when we're not sure why this happened or why that happened, may you always take us to the foot of the cross to see Jesus there, dying on the cross for our sins, giving his life so that one day we may live with you face to face. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus, and thank you for hiding in plain sight all over the place. We love you, Lord. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.